Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So I was in the shower, I was cleaning my ass and making all shirts all sparkly, spanky clean. I'm not the funny one, I'm the pretty one. Cock shots. <laughs> I just checked myself out. Music, wine, and then loop up. The glory hole is like a, a like dick theater of a magic Which means your pants had better come off. Mama needs playtime. We're not sluts. We just love love. Hiya folks, welcome back to another week here at By the By. You're joining Angela and... Angela's partner. <laughs> and Bradford. Which one? Ah, <laughs> Not Pippin. <laughs> yes, that's true. Not Pippin. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so uh hope everybody out there is doing fine. Uh, you know what fine stands for? Fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. That sounds about right. It's Let's correct. go for it, sure. Um, yeah, that's uh, basically where I am right now. It's great. Mm-hmm. We are here on another another night. Yes. And uh, we are finally out of lockdown. Yay! Yes. It's been great. It's been a week now that we've been out of lockdown. Yeah. And so in that week, we've gone to a couple of bars. <laughs> we've, mm-hmm. uh, we've had like a bunch of people over to our place. It's been a... Not a bunch, a few. Cavalcade of yeah. adventures. Yeah, it's good. It's nice to be able to socialize and see people face to face again. Yeah. In a non-work setting. <laughs> well, or in any setting for some of us. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I was getting really tired of uh, seeing, I was starting to think that people actually looked like they do on Zoom, where they have like a, a frame around their face. Mm-hmm. And, and um, the little filter. And, yeah. and half the time they talk like, people, so you get it? Yeah. Because uh-huh. they were muted. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what I was starting to think. But uh, in actuality, if you still think that, that is not the case. Mm-hmm. People in the real world are three-dimensional. <laughs> Though some of them are still a bit flat. Oh, oh. wow. <laughs> Look at you. <sighs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's been really good. It was nice. Yeah. Uh, so we do have... Couple of updates. The pendulum party. Yeah. So if you are living in Sydney and have been excited to go to um, the reopening of our secret spot and the Halloween parties, yes, there were going to be two. Um, due to our brilliant, <clears throat> said with so much sarcasm. And, I was going to use a different word. And um, no, like, yeah, God. Fuck that guy. Um, due to our fearless leader, um, our premier, our newest premier, uh, because our old premier had to resign due to corruption. Uh, this is why you don't trust conservative uh, governments, uh, folks. It was alleged, her boyfriend's alleged, alleged, alleged corruption. corruption. It's not been proven yet. Anyway, <laughs> uh, conservative people, look, 
if you're a listener, why? Why are you listening to us? Um, yeah, they, Actually, that's a good question. If you are a conservative <laughs> listener, please let us know why. I would like to know. Please explain to us what you what you actually gain. We, we may us. need to have a discussion. <laughs> what what the hell is wrong with you? Uh, yeah, so our newest uh, conservative leader, uh, Dom the dumbass, or Dom the sub, or whatever you want, <laughs> whatever you want to call him, uh, has decided not to let sex party on venue because you could still go to a brothel now. Oh yeah. Uh, Reopen until the beginning of yeah, December. You can go to a brothel. You can go to a nightclub. You can do anything else. Yes. I mean, come on. But seriously. alas, you're not allowed to go to a swingers club. <laughs> but we can have 20 people in our house and nobody says we can't have sex with those 20 people in our house. And like Lawrence lives at the club now, right? That's true. <laughs> there we can't go. Can't we just have a big party at his place? <laughs> uh, so, yes. Mm-hmm. Let's... um. We have to wait. Yes. But on the bright side, Pendulum Party is still in December and they're opening in December. So, yep. uh, yeah, it's going to be going to be big. And look, I know that some people out there already had their outfits planned for Halloween. And since the club's not going to reopen until December, I say that if you're going to come to Pendulum, I mean, anytime you come to Pendulum, you're more than welcome to wear whatever you want, right? Yeah. However, if you have a Halloween outfit and it's waiting to be worn, just wear it. Make it a spooky pendulum. Yeah. You know, it can be I'm, whatever you want it to be. I'm really tempted to talk to to Jess and say, look, um, I want to do my birthday party. Let's do it as a costume party, you know, Christmas queer Halloween. I don't know. Mm, yeah. So wear whatever you want. Yeah. We it, give you permission. It doesn't matter. It's never mattered, but yeah. Look on the bright side. If people are like, why are you wearing that? Be like, it's a conversation starter. And it worked. <laughs> There uh, you go. Yeah. Anything else that we have uh, exciting going on? That, that That's about it for now. Yeah. So lead the way, boss lady. <laughs> what are All we talking about right. tonight? Well, the first little bit, and it's not, I don't think, going to be a big little bit, but we'll see. <laughs> okay. Uh, go on. So I just wanted to talk about, and I, I know that there are people all over the world who either have been, will be, or are going through a similar thing. Uh, but this past week, since we've come out of our latest lockdown, or really, the, I mean, the, the truest one that New South Wales has had. Yes. Yeah. You know, bless you, Melburnians. You've been through a hell of a lot. Melbourne uh, crossed the line. <laughs> They're like the most lockdown city in the world. I know. The longest. I, I know. It's so yeah. terrible. Yeah. Uh, but so this past week, we have caught up with three separate couples. Uh, well, oh well, even more than that. So Monday we went out with uh, oh, well, okay. Leo yeah. and the gentleman mm. and a couple. Yes, but that was just purely to go to pubs and yeah. But be still, out we we went out yes. with them. But I'm talking about Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday. Yeah. Yes. So we had a couple over Thursday night. Yes. We had a couple over Friday night. Yes. And then we met a couple out at a bar on Saturday. And uh, in all of those instances, they're all couples that we have played with before. We'll play with again. Yeah. I dare say. I dare say. <laughs> wow. Dare and, you. Dare you. And I, I I don't know because it wasn't really clear for the Thursday night date if there was potential play on the cards or not. I think with them there's always potential play. I would think so as well. I do know that Friday there was definitely potential play on the cards. Yes. And then Saturday, there wasn't, it was a very last minute, hey, we're at this pub, you know, bar, whatever, do you want to come join us? And so we went and joined them, and it was also early enough, we could have invited them back, but we didn't, because at that point, it had been a long weekend already, and we just needed some us time. 
so we didn't. But I just kind of wanted to talk about all of those scenarios and and was it situational why we didn't have sex with these people or is there some kind of hesitancy? Ooh. Do you want to give your opinion? Um, and we can take them situationally because they're all slightly different situations. Yeah. I mean, I guess we could take it situationally. Because like, so Thursday night we had the couple over and, yeah. and I think there is always play on the cards for them. But at the same time, we never explicitly really say it with them. Like, are you expecting anything yeah, tonight or yeah. not? It just kind of generally, if it's going to happen, it, it happens. It just happens, yeah. Uh, but I think in all these cases, what's also underlying is that these are friends with benefits. Yes. These are people that we genuinely like and that we are well, there's friends. problem. And we're friends with outside of the bedroom. And so I think that's is part of the problem in that we haven't seen these people face to face in months. And so as much as we, I think all would love to have sex and to play with each other, we also just really enjoy talking to one another and just catching up. And while we have caught up on zoom with them, it's not the same, you know, there's nothing like being face to face in person with someone and, and just being able to have that intimacy in person. Yeah. And I think that's like, for me, the first couple Thursday night, that's part of the problem. And, and it's, it's one of those things that I think that for me, I get so wrapped up in my own head that I'm never going to be one to pull the trigger. And I'm never one. I'm, it's, I'm so weird in that I'm rarely excited or happy when you try to pull the trigger. And well, I don't know really why. But what if one of them does? Then I tend to be more okay with it. But then I also know that most people aren't going to pull the trigger at your house. Because in this situation, everybody yeah. came over to our place except for the third yeah. couple sure. in which we met at a neutral bar. Yeah. And if you hear squeaking in the background, the dog got a, a brand new toy and he is so, so excited. Oh my God, he's and in he, heaven. He can't be more excited no, than he is No, he right is now. absolutely in heaven. Yeah. But- you know, and that's, it's, it's a weird thing. Cause I feel like whenever sex comes up anymore, uh, it makes me really uncomfortable. And I find that the, the longer we've been in lockdown, like even with you, I start to get kind of like, Oh yeah, I'm supposed to touch somebody else. And it's just like, I've become more and more insular and, level putting like those barriers and walls up that are meant to protect me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like when we saw the Thursday night couple who, you know, we share a lot with both mentally and, and like we all we're gamers and we, we do um, RPGs together. Like it's, I don't know. I think my biggest fear always, which I know saying it is ridiculous is, upsetting that balance of friendship and sex because if the choice were to if i had to pick one or the other it would always be friendship over sex Mm. and i realize that that is ridiculous to say with any of the people that we're talking about yes that there's nothing that would happen in the bedroom that would stop i mean i say that you know nothing that we would do in the bedroom i should say there's very little that could happen in the bedroom that would end the friendship that would end the friendship and and so it's kind of like I know it's stupid, but I still can't worry about, I can't help but worry about that. And I think on top of that is the fact that it's been so long since you've been in a situation where you go out and you see customers and you see people, you see colleagues. It's been so long since I've been face to face with people. 
I don't really care about sex. All I care, all I really care about is that human contact. It's like, yeah. oh my God, you're another person. Yeah. Um, and I think that even kind of adds, I can even lump you into that is like you go out to work and I'm stuck at home, which I'm, I mean, I got a job that pays me to stay at home and, and sit in front of a computer. That's great. But like, it, it is one of those things that everybody goes, oh my God, I'm going to be that guy. Everybody leaves me. And the, the dog doesn't even want to talk to me when, when everybody else goes to work, the dog goes and sleeps in his bed and it's like, all right, well, it's just me. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think that it is something that has been sort of going on and festering for so long that whenever I am with people, it's like, I'm so hungry just for human interaction that yeah. like sex isn't the thing that I'm looking for or mm-hmm. I don't, I guess I don't need it. I'm curious to see how long it is before that attitude starts to change. You know, how long interacting with people, how much being around people, at what point do the scales tip the other way then? Yeah, I don't know. For you? you know, when does it start to become more natural or is it one of those things that you just, you just have to kind of do it? And it might feel awkward a time or two, yeah. and then it starts to feel more natural Great. and better I'm losing again. my virginity again. I, gre- <laughs> I regrew a hymen. I'm a born, I'm a born again Christian. God, I can't even get those uh-huh. words out of my mouth. Uh, you know, but I even say it would be interesting to see what Leo thinks because I know that there's been because of the romantic partners bubble. There's been a couple of times that he and I've met up, yeah. and we've not played. And it's just because I'm, I don't want to pull that trigger. Yeah. So it is something that I, I'm just not doing. It's not because it's something that, Mm. I mean, I'm interested in it from a idea perspective, but as soon as it starts like becoming real, I I just, I'm like, "Mm, I'm not interested anymore. Is it that you're not interested or that you feel uncomfortable? All of the above. I don't know. Yes. Yes. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's. It's a weird place to be in going back to Thursday night because like, oh my God, these are real people inside of our house. And I was like, oh, I really like these people. But we ended up just sitting around and laughing and talking and drinking and laughing and making Mm -hmm. jokes and like, it was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it's still very entertaining and very much fun. Yeah. And same thing on Friday night. So with that couple, uh, they came over, we played some games. Had some dinner. Had some dinner, same thing. And I guess we had dinner with the Thursday night couple yeah. as well. And then we sat around and, and talked for a while. But the difference was that because I knew that that there could be play on the cards, I brought it up a few times during the night. It was, okay, do we want to play this game? You know, after we'd done one game, it was like, do we want to play the second one? Or do we want to go to the bedroom? Yeah. You know, and then and it, they were kind of like, oh. And then, you know, one of them decided that, no, we'll just go ahead. We'll do this other game for a bit first. Okay, and then later on, I brought it up again, and it was like, you know, that kind of like, is this something, and and so while I think the interest was there, neither of them really pulled the trigger, and it, I didn't want to force it, yeah. you know, I don't want to force anybody, so I'm kind of like, you know, I'll put it out there, but if you're not going to bite, then, then it's not going to be a thing tonight. Yeah, and it's funny, because I feel guilty about that as well, because I feel like a lot of that is potentially me, or are, are people reading my body language and the way I'm looking at it because I remember one of the times you suggested it I was like also I just made dessert like I just pulled it out of the oven and I just made dessert and they were like oh let's eat dessert instead and I mean that could have been them being polite and saying Mm. let's Bradford just cooked this let's we should probably consume it and then 
you know, part of the problem with that is you start eating something like that and then it, and it ends just, up being an hour and a half of us laughing and talking and telling stories and joking yeah. and whatnot. Because yeah. again, none of us have been in front of real people for so long. Mm. Yeah. And I, and I do think that maybe it's something we just ease back into it because also, you know, same thing like that night we sat around on the couch and we were all kind of touching and, yeah. you know, so th- there was intimacy and there was touch there. It just, you know, wasn't bedroom intimacy. Yeah. 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 So I'm curious to see as, as we go along and as we kind of are around people a bit more and even around some of these same people a bit more, if that goes away, uh, because it was something that was addressed even as they were leaving. It was, you know, we very much want to, didn't happen tonight. That's completely fine because everybody's okay with just yeah. being oh, friends yeah. and hanging yeah. out. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. And at the same time, I don't think we can be, you know, there's, no reason for us to be too hard on ourselves because like you said, we're just kind of coming out of this zone of, of just being around ourselves. And, and especially for anybody who's single in the lifestyle, who was much more isolated, you know, that's gotta be a really, really hard thing. Yes. But always, there's always good reasons for me to be hard on myself. I mean, it's, it's like, that's uh-huh. what I do best. Yeah. Um, and then fast forwarding to the next day at the bar, uh, we had had, uh, some training with the dog that morning, get back to the apartment. Um, and then, uh, they had, we both took a nap because we had to get up early for training for the dog in the morning. Uh, and we, they were like, Oh, you know, let's go to this pub. Uh, we met him there and we had, I mean, I think you had one drink, but mm-hmm. I think I had four, five. I don't you remember didn't have that many. I don't think, did I, think you? I had, I had at least four. Okay. I may have had five. Uh, and the last one was a higher gravity beer. Um, but you know, after spending that much time at the pub, I was just kind of like, all I want to do is go home and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we stopped and got a, a pizza on the way home and then went home and ate and went to sleep. Yeah. I think it was, like I said, we could have very easily invited them back and I kind of wanted to, but at the same time it was like, Oh, I, feel like I just needed some some downtime after a few busy nights, a busy morning, all of that. And yeah. It was just like, no, I just need some chill time and, and we'll catch up with them again soon. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, there's uh, and just to add to that is like, it is definitely something, of course, we want to play with these people and catch up again with these people and mm. see these people and yada, yada, yada. Uh, it's just that, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a, what the French call a certain, I don't know what. A certain je ne sais quoi. And I think it's also different because we're not in a venue like a swingers club where you're, it's necessarily expected that you're going to have sex. So our home, we have an OSS <laughs> annex. I'm pretty sure that the room we are currently in, <laughs> yes. people expect to have sex in. Yes. Very true. It's built for two things, podcasting and mm-hmm. pod thrusting. Um, I don't know what the, okay. what rhymes with podcasting, but, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I agree. But at the same time, yeah, maybe it is just because everybody's just getting around people again. And it's nice to have that interaction and have that intimacy without necessarily having to be naked. Yeah. 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 I'm curious to see where it goes, but that was uh, three of our quote unquote dates, I guess you could say, you know. Well, definitely days. There were definitely three days. Dates. Oh, sorry. So yeah, we'll see where it goes, but I think it's... uh, it was a good start to coming out of lockdown, being around people, starting to feel a little sexy, you know, maybe get dressed up a little bit and be like, what, what's this stuff called lingerie? I love it. <laughs> you say get sexy and get dressed up. And I was like, yeah, I put a 
I put pants on, <laughs> a shirt. Yeah. Once I had a collar on. It was weird. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. Sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, we will see where where it goes, I suppose. And we'll let you know where it goes. Are you looking for something to spice up your bedroom? Are you looking for that little extra sauce that you need to make everything tastier? Go to adamandeve.com and uh, you can find just the toy that you need. When you get it, put it in your basket, use the checkout code by the by. That's B-Y-T-H-E-B-I, and you will get that item at 50% off. You'll also get a bunch of extra toys thrown in so that you can uh, have some more stuff to play with and see what you like. The lubes, little toys, it'll be great, great fun. Additionally, you'll get six videos on demand, and most importantly, at least for me and all of us down in Australia, you'll get free shipping. That's right, free shipping and something at 50% off. That's adamandeve.com and use the checkout code by the by b-y-t-h-e-b-i it's my favorite time of year it's coming up on it it's uh something i get really excited for every year it's harder to get excited in Australia because they don't celebrate it as much as they did in the states but it is once again officially Pumpkin spice latte season. We also have a <laughs> box of decorations downstairs we could uh, bring up. For pumpkin spice latte uh-huh, season. That's it. Um, yeah. There are a lot of like vanilla bean plants uh-huh. and, and like pumpkin spices. Mm. I don't know. Cinnamon, some, some allspice, cloves. Some gourds. Some gourds. Gourd. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, no. I mean, I do like me a pumpkin spice latte. I'm not going to, I'm not going to shit on that. But it is. Halloween. And uh, one of the things that I love about Halloween is the fact that I can convince Angela to watch scary movies because I like, no, 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 no. I like scary movies. I don't like really terrible camp, cheesy, scary, quote unquote, scary movies. And I'm going to say 99.9% of scary movies (laughs) are exactly what you're saying. It's just the ma- the lens at which you're looking at it through. Fair uh, enough. Fair like, enough. Like, like seriously, um, you know, Freddy's Dead or Jason versus Freddy was very serious when it came out. Uh-huh. Uh, it is Canal Camp. Uh, even things like Poltergeist, uh, which is a horror classic, is a bit campy. Jaws, which is the first big horror blockbuster film. I mean, if you look at the mayor's jacket, it's fucking campy as hell. <laughs> Though, if if anybody's got a little jacket out there with a bunch of anchor, anchors on it, I'm in. Put me up. I uh-huh. want it. But yeah, so it's it's horror season. And I think that something that I am a firm believer in, and anybody who is in the queer community and a horror fan also understands, is the importance of horror in the queer community. Mm-hmm. And, and how it, how easy it is for us to relate to horror and horror films. So, um, yeah, we're going to f- wrap up this podcast with a little bit of discussion on that. And then, uh, spoiler alert, next week is Halloween. And we're also going to talk about it then as well. So, uh, yeah, maybe the dog will squeak less next week. But I doubt it. Nah, I doubt it. He uh, loves his new little toy. <laughs> just think of the dog squeaking as... Uh, as like a scream queen screaming for help. Um, 
So I'm not sure exactly how we want to attack this. So in all of these horror films, now now, let's, let's clarify. When you talk about horror films, most of the ones that we're talking about around this time of year for Halloween are generally ones that were done in the 80s, maybe 90s. There's very few that are more recent. Unless it's part of like a series or something, right? I think that's a really good question. And I think it's a really good point. Because for me, I'm going to take horror back as far as Dracula and Frankenstein and so the, the universal classics. So okay. Dracula, Frankenstein, The Mummy, um, Wolfman, and The Invisible Man. Those were the universal classic horrors. Those were all done... Oof, um, that's a good question. I probably should have looked this up before. Those were all done probably in the 30s, 40s. I would have said 30s, yeah. Bride of Frankenstein, and I know, was 1935. So that's where I'm going to start with some of these. So old okay. horror. Okay, yeah. And then my, for me, my favorite horror is the late 70s, early 80s, the birth of the slasher, which mm-hmm. is Halloween, Fr- Nightmare on Elm Street, and uh, Friday the 13th. That's the... We're calling that the the birth of the slasher, and and for all you professionals out there, I understand <laughs> the, the Prowler was out before that. The there was a lot of um, really great slasher films that were slasher films before Halloween and whatnot. But I'm counting those as my babies. And then going into that, you've got in the '90s, you have films like Scream, which redefined and reinvigorated um, the horror genre. And then you've got films like. Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity and Wreck and things that started the the handheld genre, right? The you're looking through somebody else's eyes kind of horror. Um, and then you've got, you know, the this sort of this modern rebirth of um, everything old is new again because we're not smart enough to come up with mm-hmm. new ideas. So we do things like remakes of of all of the classics, including the new Halloween, which we watched the newest one, yeah. Halloween Kills, uh, this past week. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to include all a little bit of all of that. And I'm going to argue that it's hard to not see queerness in horror in general uh, across the board. Yeah. So are there recurring themes throughout all of these? So... I think this is interesting and I'm going to all. Or is it more that like each kind of franchise has their own kind of thing? Like, yes. Yeah. And yes. Okay. Uh, And I'm going to say that all of this is from my point of view. I am not educated in film and filmography and and anything like that. This is all from a lot of, you know, my own research, but especially watching the films. And I think seeing myself in those films. And I think that's where a lot of, these queer icons come from is by looking for yourself. We watch movies and we'd put ourselves in the situations. Yeah. And just like I'm going to compare Marvel movies and, and DC. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better. Well, hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Comic movies, in that you've got people who. Uh, we, we almost always root for the villains. We watch these films. We say we watch them for the heroes, but let's be realistic. We watch them for the villains and the villains often are much more interesting characters. Uh, and we can go down a whole diatribe about Batman from that, but not the point anyway. (laughs) Uh, but in a lot of horror movies, we watch it because we want to see the hero or heroine survive and, and, and we want to see how they win, but we really are watching it because we want to see the villain. We we're watching it for the bad guy. You, you want to see what kind of monster there is, what kind of creature. Right? Exactly. So when you say nightmare on Elm street, a lot of people call it the Freddy movies. They're naming these, the- these movies by the character. Dracula is a movie named about the villain, Frankenstein, the villain, the Wolfman. The Mummy. I mean, you can go on and on with The Cat People, Rebecca. Like, these are classic old horror films that are, their title of the film is named after the villain. Mm -hmm. So then you take that from a queer lens, and we often, queer people, are often, uh, we see ourselves as the other, the different, and we're made to feel that way. So when we watch these horror films, we put ourselves in the shoes of the villain because we're used to that position. And you're also looking to see what kind of flaws the villain has because inevitably you have some kind of flaw in yourself. Right. And the villain's flaws is their weak point, right? And that's how they're defeated. Um, And so if you're going to go hunt somebody's dreams, you better know how to survive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think there's something really fascinating about that and about what that tells us about us and about what scares us. Mm -hmm. So for me, I look at horror from that, from both points of view. One is what do I see in of myself in the villain? And two, what does this villain represent as for what is society currently afraid of? What are we afraid of as people? And even more than that, besides the villain themselves, a lot of, just what happens and how the films are set up and and just kind of that whole scenario really is also very much a commentary on what's going on in the world at that time. Yeah. Because you can see a lot of social cues in how these characters react to this villain. And, you know, just little things that I think everybody's used to because of meta movies like Scream, which came out in 1996, things like the sex trope. You, You can't do drugs. You can't have sex. And survive a horror film. No, if you do those things, you're dead for sure. Exactly. And yeah. you think about where did those come from? And a lot of those tropes came from the early slasher films, which were, uh, again, Halloween, mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street, and Friday the 13th. And when were those films made? So we're looking at between, nine, they're being made in the 1976, 1977. I think Halloween was released in 78. And then you've got Nightmare on Elm Street, a few four years later, and I think Friday the Thirteenth a couple years later. Mm-hmm. But so you so look in late seventies, early eighties, and what was yeah. before that was the hippies and mm-hmm. free love. Mm-hmm. So these hippies and their free love, 
uh, are scaring the the boomer generation. I guess some of them are the boomer generation now, but they're scaring the older generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the older generation is telling them you can't do these things. And so these hippies grow up and become movie makers. And so they say, oh, okay, we can't, this, this free love and, and free drugs isn't going to work. And, and it's their, it's the, it's their generation and especially the generation just above them that Mm. really dictate the stories that they're telling. Again, this is my opinion. Um, (laughs) but I, I think you can look at movies from different time periods and really see that. And that free, free love was killed by the slashers. So if those, I mean, SAF, we know that those tropes persisted throughout a lot of these films. How did they change? Like what other things were introduced as generations changed from the 80s to the 90s, that kind of thing? So, And even uh, into today, like how, how have those tropes persisted, but what else has changed about them? I think what's really interesting is the lens that we look back on a lot of horror from, uh, you know, we're looking back with a... a, a we're looking back with 2020 vision and Romero is probably the perfect example of someone who created horror in the sixties, in the seventies, in the eighties, and then the nineties. And so with his of the dead series, uh, he really, whether he intended to or not, he really sort of had his thumb on the pulse of what scared us Uh, in night of the living dead. uh, And Romero is very, many times came out and saying that this was not his intention, but he chose a black man as his lead, which according to Romero being Romero, he was the best actor. Of course I'm going to choose him. Mm -hmm. But then when you have a black man in the lead in the sixties who smacks a white woman and tells a, uh, another, a white man that he needs to go back down where he belongs into the cellar. Like this is such a racial divide, especially when you have spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it's fucking public domain. Now, if you haven't seen night of the living dead, you need to see it. Um, when you see at the end, a mob of white men shoot the black lead in the head because they think he's a monster. Like now there's a statement there, yeah. right? And there's very much a statement of segregation. There's a statement of this is what we were afraid of at the time, which is segregation mm-hmm. and, and black people in general. Then you look at his next film, which was uh, Dawn of the Dead, which it shows the zombie hordes mindlessly going to a supermarket mall because in, in you know this is all they do is consume. As zombies, all they do is consume. And they end up going to a mall where, you know, this was the height of, you know, when malls were starting to become a thing. Then you have Day of the Dead, You've which got consumerized, consumerization. You have consumerism coming in and yeah. Yeah. Uh, Day of the Dead, where you have um, the government versus science. So you have this really conservative government group and they're in charge, but you have the scientists trying to solve all the world's problems. And it's this distrust of... That that doesn't seem like it ever happened. I know, right? (laughs) But it is. It's this distrust of science and military. Mm -hmm. You know, and then Land of the Dead, which was arguably uh, a bit out of his normal stuff, but it's still very much a one percenter. You have a group of extremely rich people who live in a tower surrounded by walls and, you know, the, the dead 
zone, you know, they roam the earth around them. Uh, and it's them still trying to consume. But overall, when you look at zombie movies in general, zombies are about that, that other there. That's why they're still big today because of, <laughs> I sound like a conspiracy theorist because of <laughs> incidents like nine 11, uh, where you have a, 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 a group that, in realistic, realistically, and again, I'm I'm going to generalize for Amer because of American audiences. Most films are made for American audiences. Very true. Yeah. Um, most Americans know absolutely nothing about Al Qaeda, Muslims, or any other religion other than Christianity, Judaism. Um, that's basically it. That's mm. all the that's all Americans really know. Mm. If you're an American that Just knows really more sad. about that, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but realistically, when you look at the general populace, yeah. they know nothing about, especially Muslims. That's sad, but true. Yeah. So that's why these zombie movies work is because they're this mob mm. of something that is trying to assimilate you into their like. And that's what, when you, especially when you look at the conservative South, that's what they believe is that, oh, you know, Muslims are coming in. They're coming. To, they took my job kind of thing. Well, and that's what they also fear. Yeah. And that yeah. is especially what they fear is being consumed and taken over and made to be like something else. And that's why zombie movies still work. We're always afraid of the other. We're always afraid that something more powerful is going to take us over. Uh, and the, I don't see zombie movies going out of fashion for a while. I was going to say zombie, alien, they're all kind of in the same ilk, really, yeah. in that regards. So then when you look at, uh, especially movies made around the 1984 to 88, the Reagan era, mm. uh, the big thing that scared us then? AIDS. AIDS. So that's why... AIDS and Stranger Danger. Stranger Danger, AIDS, the yep. the single, the single, the the one, the, the there was a one person that could that could hurt us, um, one person that could change us. There were some really great vampire films that were coming out during that time. Uh, one of the films that we watched mm -hmm. that is sort of in the height of the AIDS Reagan era was Fright Night. Yes. So if you haven't seen Fright Night. Go watch Fright Night. Fright Night's a, the original, I think they did a remake of it. Um, the original film came out in 1985, and it stars Chris Sarandon as uh, the vampire next door, uh -huh. who was the fucking sexiest vampire <laughs> you could like. Honestly, he, Angela, I think you even said he looked like he stepped off of, of this, uh, the set of um, Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Like, literally, this guy is... And how did you describe him? You had a really good way of describing him. What I, was that? Yeah, I look. I, he he looked like he was coming out of an LL Bean catalog in order to eat me, and I was okay with all of this. I don't see you having a problem with this. Like, yeah. like honestly, he was this preppy kind of scary, but in a sexy yeah. way yeah. kind of thing. But it was interesting because it was vampire, but I also felt like. There had not been, and I don't know a lot of history of vampire movies. I know there had clearly been some before this, but I felt like a, there were a lot of things that had not been well established as to this is how vampire things do things. Whereas 
today, after a very long period of time of vampire movies and films and TV shows, we know pretty well what to expect from vampires. But I don't feel like they really had that down pat back then. And what's really funny about that is, so this movie came out in 1985. So it's kind of the halfway point for vampire films, right? Between now and when the first vampire films came out, which there were some vampire films before Dracula, but Dracula is the one that everybody really remembers. But what about... Time-wise, yes, it's the midway point, but is it the median as far as how many have been done? Probably not. I would say it's earlier. Probably. Look, vampire films and vampire stories in general are very Um, Mm -hmm. queer-friendly, mostly Mm -hmm. because vampires are... They're gender non-specific. They're almost... They like to bite things. They're almost always male. They like to consume. You're right. They bite. They suck. They don't care your gender. They're always considered attractive no matter who which gender's eyes are looking upon them um they i mean unless you're looking through a mirror unless you're looking through a mirror exactly uh yeah but vampires in general are they tend to be very queer friendly mm-hmm. um oftentimes vampires will have male partners who is their is their eyes and ears during the day for instance dracula and his partner renfield which again you know you look at movies uh like frankenstein where dr frankenstein has Igor, you know, so you've got these. Uh, well, and there was one in Fright Night too. Yeah, yeah. and that's exactly. Yeah. So he had a, a, a longtime male partner. And what's really interesting about this is early in the film, the the star, the the main character, young man, uh, his mom talks about the the two men who are moving in next door. They're probably gay, and then says something like, "Well, at least the garden will look nice." And uh, you 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 see that now, and you're like through modern lens you're like oh bitch and then you're also like but you're actually right you know they will take care of the of the property and look at when it was made i mean you 1985. have 1985 yeah you have to you have to look at it through that lens as well so just a couple of comments on fright night in general I don't know if you remember this, but it opens with the absolute worst sound effect I can ever remember hearing from a film, and that is a kissing sound. And I remember both of us, it goes on long enough, so it's the, the setup scene is outside of their, of this bedroom, but from the ground floor, and the bedroom's on the second floor, and it slowly pans up to the window, and you hear this kissing, and, and it's like... It's it's well you even turned to me and you said is that what kissing sounds like? Is <laughs> like, that kissing in 1985 because I was young. Uh-huh. And it is And the answer is no. Not exactly. No, that's not what it sounds like. But it they're watching the couple, the star couple are watching a film, uh a fright night film and it is meant to be from the, you know, 60s 50s and 60s and that was the kissing from back then which i think is kind of funny mm-hmm. and also a bit of a commentary on the way we saw love at the time well and it's also interesting that they didn't use actual kissing sounds then that they they saw that there was a need to make a very farcically fake kissing sound as opposed to just have people kiss and use the real sounds you know that there was a need to, we can't do that. We can't have that real sound. Right. Because you don't want to titillate the people. Yeah. Which was true of films of its time. Uh, well, of the time that they're talking about, they're showing. Uh, 
but another thing that's really interesting about this is so the the lead couple in this very opening scene are talking about maybe having sex for the first time she's like no 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 mm-hmm. and he's like we've been going out for a month and she, like you know immediately again from today's lens you're like oh dude this is fuck you fuck you but also they were like they had scenes of them going through school and talking with their classmates and friends and stuff. And everybody was sex focused. It was like, so have you boned her yet? Are you boning her every night? Are you guys having sex every night? And it's like, like every conversation that they had with their friends was all about, are they having sex all the time? And it's like, I mean, now while when I was in high school, we talked about sex. It wasn't every time somebody went out with somebody, Oh, are you boning them? Are you boning them? Are you having sex every night? Like, come on. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's tough because you look at films like this and This is not a defense for that kind of writing. It isn't. But I do appreciate the fact that they have an hour and 45 minutes to two hours to to set up the characters of this story. And they get maybe, maybe 10 minutes in the school or with friends. So, Well, they're clearly setting them up to be horny teenagers. Yeah, and they... They kind of have so, to, yeah. because remember, Reagan told us to be afraid of those horny teenagers. And so immediately we have to distrust them a bit because, you know, so again, if you haven't seen Fright Night, spoiler alerts, you should have already seen it. Um, he's, he is convinced that his next door neighbors are vampires, but nobody believes him. Nobody believes him. And you kind of have to understand that and you have to accept that nobody's going to believe him because he's just a dumb kid. But then at the same time, they're talking about a dumb kid having sex, which I think is really, again, kind of a commentary on the time. Kids weren't old enough to have sex. They weren't old enough to have these uh, questions about their neighbors being murderers. (laughs) You know, it all gets lumped in together. But I think what's kind of funny about the film is his girlfriend finally says, okay, let's have sex. She gets under the covers, takes off almost all of her clothes, except for her shirt for some reason. Uh, MPA. Yeah, of course. Fuck you, Hayeslaw. And he is then distracted by the two men going into the house next door. And so the movie starts from there as multiple times she tries to have sex with him and multiple times he's too enthralled with the men living next door to him uh to have sex with his girlfriend i mean now they were carrying a coffin come on i would be intrigued by this but i get the overtones of it but that's it we know that but she doesn't know that and so again she thinks that it's her or maybe it is him Mm -hmm. and so and then starts this whole long where he is infatuated with the neighbor next door um who, I, mean, I mean i i kind of would be too well yeah well i think we all yeah. are <laughs> but he may or may not be a vampire right right um but yeah so the movie in general there's a lot of subtext there but it's it's just interesting to see these people and specifically the way the when the main vampire's partner dies mm-hmm. He's horrified and you kind of like, oh, you know, they've been partners for a long time and maybe there wasn't something romantic. Maybe there was, but he's still sad to see his buddy go. Mm-hmm. So it's also interesting going back to the mother in that one, in that 
he kept trying to tell his mother and and be like, hey, look at this, look at this, the neighbors, blah, 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 whatever. And she continually blew him off just as a dumb kid. Like, yeah, how could a yeah. teenager know? What would he, you know, why is he saying this? Oh, he's just fantasizing. He's just being, you know, his imagination's running wild. He's not serious. He can't be true kind of thing. And just she completely blew him off every time. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's interesting because... Again, I, I know I keep saying that, but I'm fascinated by films like this because of a lot of the subtext that maybe I'm searching for, but I don't think I am. I think it's actually there. I think it's there. But the fact that you have a queer monster, a, a, a notoriously queer monster, the vampire, who is sneaking into society by being in a queer relationship. And what I think is interesting about this is this is 85 I'm pretty sure that queer relationships, like two men moving into the same house, most people would avoid that house, not because they're vampires, but because they were gay. And what a great way as a creature to hide in plain sight, because you're something that society abhors being a vampire. And so what do you do in order to get society to overlook you? You become something that society abhors. I think there's something, there's such an interesting statement that's made in that. And I don't know if that was the filmmaker's intent or if, or if again, this is a 2020 lens looking back on a mm-hmm. uh, 1985 movie. But I definitely see that. And I see that as something that's really interesting. And watching it now, I'm like, mm, I get that. Yeah, definitely. But another thing that I noticed, and I don't know if it was again, me looking at it through my lens now, or if it was really intended to be a thing. Uh, but the there was an actor who was hired to help them f- flush out, slay this vampire, uh, Peter Vincent. Yes. Was that his name? Played by Roddy McDowell. Yeah. And so I got some very queer uh, vibes off of him. And I don't know if it, I mean, it was little things like, you know, when somebody came to his house, he would like quickly like, oh my goodness, like the little things that were out, it had to be perfect. And just some of his, some of the things that he said and the way he interacted with people, like, I don't know. And again, I don't know if I'm just reading more into it because I'm looking at it through that lens now, or if that was actually there, but I kind of got a bit of a vibe off of him. So it's little known fact, Roddy McDowell was gay. And was okay. in the closet until after he died. I think he died in 1998. Wow. Um, but his uh, his homosexuality was discreet hmm. um, until the end. But his people came out finally afterwards and saying, yeah, he was gay. Hmm. But again, that sort of leads to that is what he was doing in that scene is that him being him as a person yeah. was the director saying, you know, cause I can see it from a, you're right. He did clean up. He was cleaning up when somebody knocked on the door, but he also was trying to put forward the, the face of being wealthy. Yes. And I think the attitude is wealthy people don't live in messy houses. You don't have a jacket laying over here. Or, exactly. Yeah. Wealthy people put their shit yeah. away, which yeah. is hilarious. They don't No, I don't know. Everybody's don't know got a, everybody's got a messy room. That's right. Or as we call it a scary room. But, but yeah, um, it is interesting to, to wonder about that because you look at him in that film and 
he he does. He comes off as he comes off as kind of a queer hero. Uh, and it's and he lived alone. Yeah. And so you know there was no. There's never any hint of a of a of a female partner. There's no hint of any partner. Period. Um, yeah, male or female. So I guess it's up to your imagination and yeah. up to you to decide. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, I would I would totally agree with that. Um, so yeah, apparently there was a remake of Fright Night. I have not seen it. And there was also a Fright Night 2 when that came Fright out. When was Fright Night done? The remake. So the remake of Fright Night was done in 2011. Also, um, okay. And <laughs> I was going to say recently, but um, no. <laughs> right? Um, I mean, I guess relatively. David Tennant plays the uh, Peter Vincent. All right. Um, and then... We may have to watch this. And then the the kid, the the young kid, mm-hmm. is played by Colin Farrell. And then it looks like they changed the name of the of the guy next door, and he's playing by Anton Yelkin. Okay, I don't know who that is. I don't either. But I still think we need to see this. All right, we'll have to we'll have to uh, give it a go. Mm. So, um, yeah. Oh, he's the guy that played uh, Chekhov in um, Star Trek that ended up getting killed by being run over. He ran over himself in his car with his car. Another spoiler alert there. It's depressing. Um, yeah, so that's uh, the the horror movie that we watched. We've got some other films that we're going to look at uh, this week for next week's podcast, which we'll dive into a little deeper yes. into horror and the queer subculture of horror. Uh, what's your favorite scary movie? I'm not asking Angela, but I'm asking you people out there, podcast listeners, uh, podcast people. What's your scary, what's your favorite, what's your favorite scary movie? What is your favorite scary movie? I still think mine is probably Hush. I love Hush. Hush is a great movie. Yeah. But again, it's, it's what scares you, right? And, and to me, you know, zombies and vampires and monsters and things, they're interesting and and they're entertaining, but they're not scary to me. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Not, I agree. Like, these movies that we're watching, they're not scary. They might be jump scares that are surprising. Yes, yes. But to to have something that makes me think about it, I think scary means that uh, a week later I might think about it and go, mm-hmm. hmm, that's unnerving. Uh, and none of these films are things that really do that for me. Yeah, true. Um, I very much am able to separate my brain <laughs> from, from reality. That's probably a good thing. It's probably for the best. Uh, So yeah, out there, what's your favorite scary movie? We want to know. You can message us at By the By Podcast on all of the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can email us, theatomsoflove at gmail.com. You can join us on our Discord chat. How do you do that? All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash by the by podcast. And for as little as 50 cents an episode, you can join us on Discord. Support us on Patreon. You'll get a link, and uh, you'll be there in the chat with all the rest of the crew. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's our uh, first episode here out of lockdown, and uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.